the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. A London doctor has been at the center of a debate on the benefits and or risks of safer opioid supply programs like one here in London. And now Canada's conservative leader is calling for these types of programs to be defunded and for that money to go towards treatment centers instead. So today I'm talking with London Free Press reporter Randy Richmond all about this very heated debate. Hi, Randy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, this debate reached the national level um, because it's it's reached the House of Commons. But let's first start with this article that was in the, the National Post, um, kind of criticizing these safer, safer supply programs. Is that right? Can you just briefly explain what the article was about? Right. The article was written by a uh, National Post uh, columnist, and it took a look at sort of the safer supply opioid, safer opioid supply programs across the country. And the author concluded that they were uh, a danger, a risk, um, because he found um, evidence in his words of uh, massive diversion of the opioids that are being provided to people um, onto the streets. Um, he also found a doctor in London, for example, Dr. Sharon Corva, who says that the uh, this drug that they're offering people through these programs is causing, uh, seems to be causing uh, an increase in infections, especially infections of the spine. So the article was quite, or the column, the investigation was quite critical of the safer opioid su uh, supply programs. I'm just going to start calling them SOS programs because it's easier than saying. Easier to say. Yeah. <laughs> SOS programs. That's SOS okay. Programs. From now on. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so it was quite critical and it got a lot of attention and uh, it kind of led to this uh, bumping the whole debate about it, which had been brewing for a while in different parts of the country, bumping right up to the national level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Andrea Serrata was kind of at the center of this debate because they they did quote her in the article, too. She is the head of the Safer Opioid Supply Program or SOS program at the London Intercommunity Health Center that they have here. So she helps helps oversee the program that we have here. Um, and she, of course, is a supporter of it. Can you explain how the how the program works? Because addicts do get their their drugs from these programs. Right, right. And and the doctor, she actually sort of started the program here in London with just uh, three or four uh, homeless sex workers, three level sex workers, um, trying to see if she could if providing them with a safer uh, drug could help their health. So how it works is um, if you are uh, a, a person who uses drugs in, in London and uh, often, most times these people inject the drugs as well. And that could be any kind of opioid, fentanyl or hydromorphone, things like that. And some of them are also crystal meth users as well, which is a stimulant. So you go to this program and you get uh, prescribed through the doctor Dilaudid pills and that's an opioid. So, and it's a hydromorphone. Dilaudid is a brand name. Okay. So instead of, the idea behind it, instead of going to the street to get your drugs, which can be cut with any number of dangerous substances and at any level uh, of the drug you think you're taking, mm -hmm. you go here and you get a safe pharmaceutical uh, supply of these drugs so that it's, you know, theoretically safer for your system. At the same time, uh, because you're seeing a doctor well, regularly, 
probably for the first time in many, many years. You're also getting help with other problems that have happened to you because you lived on the street from infections to hepatitis C, liver damage, the whole range of things you can imagine people uh, get while they're living and sleeping rough. Sure. So it has that kind of a double effect. It gives you a safer drug, therefore the name, and it gives you health care and also counseling and social services wrapped around it. So that's the idea behind the program. And now it's up to about 300 people in London taking it uh, on the program. And there's mm-hmm. other programs like this across Canada too. Okay. Is is there, like, how how do, how do I say this? I, it, I assume when I, when addicts go here, they're, it's very non-judgmental, right? So it's, it, would it be fair to say that it's it's fairly easy for them to get access to this and, and for them to want to go to these programs? No, no, it's, it's fairly easy to get in the program. There's a huge waiting list, or there was okay. a study done last year. There's a waiting list, people want to get on, and there's only so much room. Once you're in, yes, you do um, you do have access to to the pills. They come in the pill form. Many people will take it uh, away. So you don't get the pills there. You get the prescription there. You go to pharmacist. You get the uh, the pills there. You can take them home and inject them. So it's that part is you know relatively accessible, but you do have to uh, go through a regular urine tests. Uh, and Dr. Serrata says every time you show up, you do a test. Mm-hmm. And that's to show that the drug is actually in your system. They want this dilated dehydromorphone to be in your system. That way, you're not selling it on the street. That's mm-hmm. the proof you're actually taking. Right. So there are there are conditions. Um, but yes, it is non-judgmental. It's part of that whole um, range of harm reduction. Started mm-hmm. off with methadone clinics. Um you know, we get a, you get a kind of an opioid replacement therapy, they call it, then suboxone clinics. That was kind of the first level. Then along came safe um, consumption sites where you bring your own drugs to a site and you use safely. And now this is kind of the third next level where they actually give you, prescribe you the drugs to take. Right. So this doesn't necessarily help with the addiction part or to solve or to treat the addiction part, but to help with other issues that the addicts may have right and keep them safer in other ways yeah exactly and it's to keep them out of hospital to keep them out of police harm out of jail um, to make their overall health better so that then if they want they can start um, weaning off they can do whatever whatever they want they can go to treatment they can uh, stay on uh, the hydromorphone forever um, mm-hmm. because it's keeping them it's keeping them healthy. So it's up to them. It's kind of that when you talk about non-judgmental, it's definitely that way is you are not forced to do anything. Uh, while you're there, though, you can get counseling for the trauma or abuse that you've suffered mm-hmm. causes some of the drug use. So there's a the whole range of uh, options for people, but it's basically up to the individual to determine what they want and when. Sure. There are, of course, a lot of critics of these types of sites, and there have been over the years, as you mentioned, there's these kind of, they've, there've been many iterations of these kinds of supports. And when we often hear the, the criticism, it's often because uh, of things like nimbyism, people are against them generally, that nimbyism, I don't want that near my house. I don't want these sites near my school. Um, I don't, I think they cause more harm than good. And, and now there's criticism that, these addicts are selling their pills to other people on the street to make money, including children. Um, so what have what has some of the criticisms been recently of these SOS sites? Well, yeah, the criticism has been sort of based on the diversion. So people taking these the pills they get and then selling them to others or selling them on the street, selling them to dealers. Uh, there's this whole stories. There are these stories about, you know, 
basically dealers crowding around these safe supply uh, uh, programs to get the drugs from people. I mean, it's, you know, the stories are going that there's flooding the schoolyards with it, that sort of thing. There hasn't been any sort of um, empirical evidence of that. There's been some anecdotes of that. Uh, some police forces have said, no, it's not happening. Um, some users who use the program say, yes, they are. I've talked to some who say, no, they aren't. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's one of those uh, stories out there. I'm not sure if it's true or not. It's that and that that kind of um, view of it can sometimes be touched by that. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just community safety and, and people really worried. Sometimes it's touched up with that moral view of drug use where people just don't want to help addicted people because they don't like that they're addicted. In other words, it's your fault. You know, sure. it's your fault you're addicted. So there's a, a moral judgment there. Right. Uh, and the other criticism is in the infections. Now that's, you know, something that probably could be easier, well, easier, I'm not a scientist, easier for medical people to, to show at some point statistically sure. whether or not infections have gone up. There's kind of competing stats locally about, about this, um, whether infections have gone up. And mm -hmm. it's, it's whether it be, when you crush a pill like Dilaudid or any pill and you inject it, there can be particles that will, can get into your system and cause infections somehow. So that's kind of the, the fear there is that the the amount of Dilaudid being put on the, the people is causing infections. Um, right. So those are the two criticisms. Uh, and the kind of the counter to that is, and that moral judgment again is, uh, anti-harm reduction is give them treatment, make them abstinent, don't feed their addiction. So the story goes. Right. Uh, there's people on both sides of this argument who insist that, you know, that it's not an either or. Like there's moderates on both sides of this saying it's not either treatment or abstinence or harm reduction. It should be arranged for everybody. But sure. right now it's kind of a that old thing about, you know, um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get yourself better and we're going to cut you off until you get better. Yeah, figure this out yourself. Exactly. Sure. Uh, so what do the supporters of, of um, uh, the supporters of these programs like Dr. Serrata say to selling, selling the drugs, especially to children, you say there's, there's no empirical, empirical evidence of that, that we know of um, people are saying it anecdotally, but we, we don't know that. Um, and, and generally the, the criticism that these clinics do more harm than good. What do the supporters uh, say to kind, of, to kind of rebut that? Well, the first thing the supporters do is point to studies like actual scientific studies uh, that show that there's been a lot of good uh, caused by these programs. There was a study um, done by the London SOS program that took about, I think it was like 50 to 80 people um, who were in the program and compared them with 50 to 80 similar people, same ages, also drug users who weren't in the program. And it was a, a control group and a study group. And they found that the people who've been in the program went to emergency rooms a lot less often, had fewer infections, uh, less uh, involvement with police, much more sort of healthier lifestyles than those who are not in the program. There's been other studies um, where people sort of self-reported their progress, and they're reporting, the people, the patients themselves are reporting that they're having less involvement, less crime. Some are reporting that they're actually starting to, to go off using uh, drugs or Totally, many are saying they're that they're stopped injecting. So that's the kind of um, statistical or the studies that um, 
that supporters have said, opponents have countered saying your studies are are not accurate or they're not done properly. And that's a whole area I don't want to get into. But you sure. know, when you start uh, criticizing people's research. So, and there also, the supporters also say there's no proof of diversion. And Dr. the Dr. Straight in London says that there's mm. no way her, she stands by her patient saying they're not going to sell the kid. She calls that the boogeyman story, uh, mm. which is again, a sign of the moral judgment. Um, I think we've seen this in every uh, so-called drug wave that's come along. It's hitting our school kids, right? Crack sure. cocaine back in the schoolyard. Every, yes. everything, there's, always, there's always a story that's hitting the school kids. That's and, you know, right. You, and as you mentioned, the in at the London program, they they have a, a urine test every day to make sure that these patients are taking the drugs that they're given, right? So they're not right. so that they they can't and if they are found with to not have the drug in the system in their system, are they kicked out of the program? Do you know of any consequences for that? Well, the consequences are that you now have to take that drug in front of a pharmacist. So okay. you don't get to take it home and do what you want with it. Um, if you are if you keep showing up with no hydromorphone in your urine, you're going to have to be taking that hydromorphone pill right in front of the pharmacist. Mm. So, so there are safeguards in place, at least here with the London program, to make sure that that selling this drug doesn't happen. Right, right. And the supporters of it say if there if there is diversion happening, there'll be some diversion because some people mm. are desperate. Mm-hmm. Would, these people are homeless, a lot of them. So, you know, a pill that can get you money for food or for a room in, over your head for the night, you might sell. It's understandable. Sure. So, yeah. but, you know, there's ways you can sort of um, keep a lid on that uh, rather than throw out the whole program, supporters say. Sure. Um, so uh, federal conservative leader Pierre Poiliev caught on to this National Post article and introduced a motion in the House of Commons um, calling for an end to safe supply programs across the country and saying that instead we should fund more treatment centers and not have these safe supply programs. Um and so what has been the support for that motion so far? Well, he, he, you know, he won't, of course, get that through the, through the House because the NDP and the Liberal, and I think the Bloc as well, they're, they're all, they're all um, in favor of safe, safer supply programs. So it's, not, it's, it's more of a political statement, um, grandstanding, if you will, or just to get his party severed from the others. To say to say this is not is not going to go through the house. Mm. Um, it you know supporters of the program say it could cause some harm. It'll keep people from the program. You know opponents of the program say it's about time that the money shouldn't be going to this. You know resources are scarce. It should be going to treatment uh, programs. Um, mm. Again, supporters say it's not either. Shouldn't be either or. There should be treatment. We all know we need more treatment programs, especially in London. Um, we could, you know, Safer Supply does what it's doing. Other programs are doing what they're doing. So, you know, people need a range of programs to get through or to to, to live in a healthier way when they're using drugs. So that's sort of the, the argument there. So I don't think, you know, it, it will go anywhere. It might go, it might sell well on the campaign trail. I mean, all parties up for things to make them stand out. And, mm-hmm. and maybe this is one with, right, with people, people are afraid of, getting afraid of their cities again rightly or wrongly uh, because because there is such the, the opioid crisis is so large so you know maybe it's a, a great political stance for him to take sure what if what if we had program what if the uh, the supporters like dr serretis serretis said about this what if we did 
cut off supply programs and forced people into treatment. Can we force people into treatment? Would that actually help to Not fund treatment centers? Forcing treatment has never helped a certain percentage of people. I mean, I've talked to, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people who've injected drugs over the years. And they're all different, but many, there's no way. They've tried uh, They've tried treatment. They've tried methadone, suboxone. It's worked for some. Some things work for others. But forcing treatment or forcing abstinence before treatment just doesn't work. You're not dealing with what got you to this place of using drugs. Um, you're not dealing with the fact that you don't have a home to live in or a house or shelter mm -hmm. that you're not healthy. I mean, how can, I don't know how you can expect most people to suddenly stop using uh, drugs when it's the drugs that are helping them cope with sure. the horrible things they've gone through and the horrible things they're going through. Right. Uh, you know, I, I can't, it's I'm a complex gonna, issue and it, it's, it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give up coffee every morning because it makes me go. So right. You know, yeah. so tell, yep. we all have coping mechanisms. Um, some come with greater risks. Sure. We all individually have to gauge, you know, assess that those risks to ourselves. But, um, you know, it's, it's sad that my addictions to coffee, for example, mm -hmm. uh, just because it doesn't lead me to physical harm necessarily, like I, I'm not being judged for it. Whereas people who have physical harm right. because they're, they're being judged for it. So there, you know, I, I don't think it would work. Uh, not from the people I've talked to. It just won't work if you just force people. Sure. Well, we're, we'll certainly watch your, your stories on this because I, I'm sure there's going to be more to come on this as this is now a national debate. Again, I mean, this has been, these issues and, and these kinds of sites have been talked about for, for years and years, obviously. And and the debate seems to be the same, but we will definitely watch your stories on this. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.